Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. It seems as though in that day, and it still exists today in some circles, there is a belief that if one can know the true name, which identifies the true nature of an individual or a thing, then they can gain mastery and power over that person or thing. I read that and I'm like, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. There's no way I'm going to go up on Sunday morning and talk about that. Yet here I am. Why? Because I went and did some research and I found out it actually exists. It's called the law of names. And even though it is steeped in folklore, and I'm not telling you it's real or true, uh, it nonetheless says to people that if you can discover the true name, not Mike Rose, but the true name. I don't know what my true name is that, that represents who I really am. Maybe God knows. I don't know. Maybe I don't even have one. But the teaching was if you could do that, then you could use that name and it would give you access, mastery, control over them. And perhaps this then explains the demon's statement. I know who you are. In other words, I know your true name, the Holy One of God. Now, this becomes even more relevant as we unpack this next little part. Catch this. Holy One of God is translated from two Greek words, hagios, which means holy, and theos, which means God. So when this demon says what he says, what he's saying is, I know who you are. You are holy God. Whoa! And he wasn't wrong. Because Jesus, in fact, inside of that flesh, was God of very God. The second person of the Godhead Trinity. We ask, was that demon really foolish enough to believe that this folklore would would, uh, allow him to somehow stand against the Son of God? That if he knew Jesus' true identity, he could have control over him? I don't know. Whatever this demon believed, this was his attempt to come against Jesus. I said attempt. This was his attempt to try to stand toe-to-toe with Jesus. But we see very, very clearly that he didn't prevail. Because folklore magic has no sway over God. Not even when God is clothed in human flesh. And so Jesus rises up to face the confrontation. Notice what he does. Very simple, very clear. He rebukes him with two commands. The first one, be silent. Shut your mouth. Literally, it means to be muzzled. And as I sat and thought about that, I thought of a muzzle that gets put on a dog, and I thought of that muzzle just kind of being thrown out there, and it kind of wraps around, just slaps his mouth shut. I don't don't know if that's the way it happened or not, but but he said the word, and, and, and and he shuts up. He doesn't declare anything else. And then he says, come out. And what could this demon do at this point? than to make his exit as dramatic as he possibly could. And so we find the man being thrown to the ground. He probably shrieks and cries a couple of times, but then the demon comes out. Truth point number two. 
Jesus exposed the futility of any being taking a stand against God. The power of God's spoken word creates galaxies, and it silences and expels demon spirits. So I just want to say to you that as we spent a few minutes ago singing those praise songs, and hopefully as you sang them, you were singing unto the Lord, that those, that person you were singing unto, the spoken word, his spoken word, has the power to create galaxies from nothing, but also has the power to disarm and completely destroy any spirit that comes against him. Later on, when Jesus actually went to the cross and then rose from the dead, the promise that was given to Eve was fulfilled. The seed of the woman crushed the serpent's head. I want you to see this in the Apostle Paul's writing, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, where Paul says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him, that is, with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. How did he do that? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And in so doing, notice this, he disarmed the rulers and authorities i.e. Satan and the evil spirits, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Wow. Wow. I still believe in literal demon spirits. I believe they're real, and I believe they attempt to come against us. But can I tell you something? I want to tell you that if you're born again and you have the Spirit of God living within you, a demon spirit cannot possess you. The best that he can do is try to oppress you. But if you will be willing to resist him, he has to flee because he has no power anymore. Jesus took his power away. He literally neutered him on the cross. He has nothing, nothing but bluff. The problem with us is we, we falter at the bluff. I, I want to encourage you, don't falter. Take a stand. Take a stand in Jesus' name. Take a stand by the power of the Spirit. Take a stand by the written Word of God. And you will find, you will find they have no power over you. None whatsoever. We have nothing to fear from the underworld because they have been conquered by the blood and the resurrection of Jesus. Well, we come to verses 36 and 37, and I'm not shocked at all that the people of Capernaum are amazed. I think probably a better word to be used there would be dumbfounded. They'd never seen anything like this before. His teaching had power and authority. His commands to evil spirits had power and authority. Who is this man? So people... As they left that day, they went out into the community, they went out to the region, and they were telling everybody what they heard and saw. That brings me to truth point number three. When people experience the work of Christ in their life, they can't help but share him with others. When people experience the work of Christ in their life, they can't help but share him with others. I believe that's true. 
which brings much sadness to me as we throw the next slide up. We live today under the scourge of silent Christians. People who, who claim that Jesus has saved them, people who claim that he has adopted them into his family, people who claim that, uh, that he has set them on a course of transformation and eternal life, yet despite the claim of such life-altering experience, they tell virtually nobody about it. They just quietly live out their lives under the delusion that matters of faith are personal and private. And I ask this question, is that the kind of Christianity we find with the early church? Is that the kind of faith that we find among those who were touched dramatically by Jesus? We go to Acts chapter 4. And although facing great opposition, even the threat of death, if they kept on talking about Jesus, this is how Peter and John responded in the face of persecution. Take note. They said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I have to believe that if a person is really touched by the the miracle-working salvation power of God and they've seen him working in their lives, how can they but speak about what they've experienced? And I I, I come to the conclusion, I, I don't think you could help it. But then that causes me much grief and pain because I say, in this modern context in which we live, so few Christians say anything. They're just silent, which makes me then wonder, have they ever experienced anything? Because experiencing church, experiencing praise songs, experiencing even the preaching of the word, if that's all that happened, it didn't sink into your heart and, 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 and change you, then you haven't experienced anything worth talking about. If a professing Christian is not inclined to speak of Jesus... Perhaps they should ask themselves this question. Have I really encountered the life-changing power of Christ? Well, I'm going to wrap up today's message with two words of encouragement. I have encouragement both for the believer. I have encouragement for the yet-to-believe person. Let me begin with the yet-to-believe person. What I want you to take from this message today is that Jesus is holy God. And as such, he holds the power to take away your sin. He has the power to transform your life no matter how deep in sin you have gone. I want to say to you that because Jesus is holy God, there is no one who is beyond the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. No one. No one is beyond redemption. Jesus made it very clear when he said, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Listen, what I want to say to you who are yet to believe is that if there is even an inkling of a desire in your heart to go to Jesus, be assured it is because the Spirit of God is working in your life. And be assured He already knows everything about you. And be assured that no matter what's in your past or what's even in your present, it doesn't matter if you will come to Him. He will not cast you out. He will embrace you. And He will love you. And he will make you a son or a daughter of God, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to know more about what that looks like, 
How do I express faith in, in Christ? Uh, I don't understand. Well, give us a chance to sit down and talk to you. Because we would sure love nothing more than to open the Bible and help you see that everything Jesus has done has been for the purpose of bringing you back to God. To you believers, I just want you to know that your Savior is powerful. He was powerful to save you. He's also powerful to keep you. And he is powerful to bring you through any trial or tribulation you face. When the complexities of life weigh you down, when the temptation comes and tells you you must give in, when an evil spirit tells you that God has turned his back on you, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Instead, do this. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Because when you cry out to Jesus, you are saying, I am dependent upon you. And when we express dependence upon the Lord, he is faithful to come and show his power. He will sustain you. He will deliver you. And he will assure you of his love. The power that we see Jesus expressing in this synagogue in Capernaum on this day tells us, that he is powerful to deal with any issue we face. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.